That's the thong. That's the thong. Yeah. Oh no. Rock and roll. That's the music. What gets you going in there? Gotta be something. Gotta be something that gets you going. What gets you up and moving? What what starts your day? Spilling your coffee. That, that would start your day. I've had plenty of days where I've spilt my coffee. That is not that's the not good that's the not that's the not good way to start your day. Um Illy Coffee and our Cowsmill Brewing Mug. I, I like this. One of the best mugs ever. This is a Stanley a Stanley Stanley cup of some sort. Uh, got it up there in Montana at Kalispell Brewing. Again, every coffee cup should have a beer opener in it. Perfect thing to have in a coffee cup. Your beer opener. Why not have a beer opener in your coffee cup? Great cup. I, I know you probably can't get up to Kalispell Brewing and get one, but these things, if you're, you're looking for a good cup, um, this thing seems to be doing the job, man. Mmm. Good, good daily coffee. So we've got a lot of stuff going on. Um, the software vendors are out. They are making sure that you're staying secure, and they're going to fix all your problems. You know what week it is. You know, you know what week it is. It's uh. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, really. You you know it's 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 Patch Adams week. It's Patch week. We're getting everything fixed. Uh, yeah, not so good on the soundboard today. <laughs> Really, it's 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 patch day. Everybody's patching everything. So if you if you're the patch management person at your organization, you're responsible for patches. It's your week, man. Long hours this week. I know. I know they're they're probably coming at you. Um, so we're gonna talk about patches. We're gonna talk about patches for Adobe. We're gonna talk about patches for Citrix. We're gonna talk about patches for Microsoft, of course, because Microsoft is the one that started this whole crazy patch Tuesday once once a month um, it's better than it was that's for sure it's it's way better than it was when they would just sporadically release patches whenever they wanted to that was a nightmare that was a patching nightmare but this this week all them crazy patches are out um, we're gonna talk about uh, a hacking group that's trying to steal secrets from a chip manufacturer, and we're also going to talk about how a network cable can help a hacker hack your hacking network. Um, that's all ahead. Also, it's World Elephant Day. We'll talk about a little bit about that at the end of the show. All kinds of stuff going on this morning. Glad you're here. Glad you could make it. Um, Glad you're ready for ready for the patches. Let those patches roll. We got a lot of them coming. So let's get the, the morning intro going and then we will be ready, ready to launch, right? Oh what in the world is going on? Chimera. Um Chimera, Chimera. Uh, this is a new hacker group. I don't know if they're new. It's the first time I've heard of them. Um, it has been discovered. This is Cyware Social's uh, story. Uh, every week, we're just going to count on every day of every week getting at least one Cyware Social. I think this is the only one for today. Uh, it's been discovered that a hacker group dubbed Chimera has been targeting numerous uh, semiconductor vendors 
in Taiwan using the skeleton key injector technique to steal intellectual property. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm confused the way they wrote the story and it's fly flying around. Um, they talk about skeleton APT and I don't know anything about any APT called skeleton. I, maybe you guys do. I've never heard of skeleton APT. That's just new news to me. I don't know who these guys, where, where they're, where they're at, where they're from. So skeleton, they're, they're claiming there's a skeleton APT that's been in operation since 2018, recently targeted, targeted at least seven semiconductor manufacturers, um, in Taiwan in a well-coordinated attack. Here's the three bullet points the story calls out. This in this campaign, hackers were reportedly after organizations' intellectual property and confidential semiconductor designs. For initial access, the Chimera Group uses stolen credentials to access corporate IDs and VPN networks and subsequently exploits remote de desktop protocol to gain access to the company's servers. Finally, the APT used a custom data compression tool, Chimrar, to archive and har harvest data and send it to the C2 or Command and Control Service. Um, there, there's been, there's been an attack. There's been a, a piece of malware called Skeleton Key, and it's been out since like 2005. And I showed, I threw a, a link to that in in with the story. I'm unclear if that's where they got this APT name from or if they're just using that tool because they talk about using the tool they talk about using um, the modus operandi or the MO um, while using a plethora of custom built malicious tools the group also used several additional tactics during the espionage campaigns in the attack the attackers used the skeleton key injector which is the malicious code I was talking about a custom tool that targets Active Directory domain controllers, um, allowing lateral movement across the network. Um, in addition, the researchers also detected the use of customized form of Cobalt Strike. I love Cobalt Strike. Uh, masquerading as Google Update function, which implements backdoor beacons and performs persistent related activities, which is, if true, if they are using the, the normal skeleton key malicious code, that malcode can't can't survive a reboot of the server. So if the server reboots, that ser that malware gets kicked off of the server, um, which is okay because domain controllers don't get rebooted all that often. But they would need a, a, a backdoor to be able to get back in and reinstall the skeleton key. Um, to hide his activities, the group uses multiple C2 domains hosted on public cloud platforms such as Google, Azure, and other public services. I don't know if they mean AWS because they... It's the only one they left out there, the big ones. Uh, the APT uses code snippets from Mimikatz, Dumpert, to bypass the API monitoring and antivirus endpoint protection solutions. Um, well, good morning. Whoops. Sorry. Um, and custom skeleton key derived from a code ripped from both Dumpert and Mimikatz. Perfect. You're right on, right on target, man. I, I think that's what they're doing. I think they're using that. Um, the weird thing about this is Unless I'm wrong, and you guys tell me if I'm wrong, because I've definitely been wrong before, at least once, uh, but I was mistaken. Uh, morning, Alex. How are you doing? Good to see you. Um, the thing I don't understand is, as far as I know, 
for Skeleton Key to work, you have to be inside the network. And I thought you had to have physical access to the server, but I, I could be wrong. Um, <laughs> the old the old joke goes, Alex. You know, I thought I was wrong once, but I was but I was mistaken. Um, but I thought I thought Skeleton you had to have you had to have physical access. So maybe there's another way, another another um, thought on Skeleton Key was they were using it on the local domain controller. And then that was synchronizing with something like um, Azure's uh, AD in the cloud. And that was allowing them to bypass the need for a password. So they can use one password. I think they just, there's, they, they can use that one password to blow through all the accounts they want to um, because they're kind of in that API call between the domain controller and the um, Azure domain controller. That's if that's what I think is going on here. That's that's the way I kind of read it. Um, Kowali, I think you may be the only one that's really on to what the skeleton key does. So so let me know if I'm wrong. That's what it sounds like. They they've exploited somehow physically, uh, or through um, coercion or insider threat, or or somehow they've got the local domain controller, and then they're using that to use the skeleton key injector for the, the cloud-based domain controller, probably Azure in this case, I'm guessing Azure, that's what a lot of people use for their AD in the cloud. Um, even if, funny, if you are AWS, a lot of people use Azure's um, domain, uh, what cloud-based domain controller. So that's what it sounds like. That's what sounds like going on here. Why they're doing it, obviously, is to get the, the intellectual property. Can they get access to um, the schematics, the designs, whatever of these new chipsets, does it impact us locally? Only in the fact that you know they could they could start knocking off the chipsets, they could start making their own version of the chipset. Um, just the bigger in the bigger picture of of IT. Um, recent skeleton key incidents in mid June 2020, researchers were able to develop a proof of concept that would allow them to control and manipulate Azure authentication functions. To hand over a skeleton skeleton key in in quotes here, um, password to dump all the clear text credentials. Um, in twenty April twenty twenty, it was found the skeleton key can be used to exploit Azure synced environments, unlocking the entire environment for cyber criminals. Yeah, yeah. Uh, bottom line on the story: skeleton key attacks could allow attackers to log on to targeted systems without the need for valid credentials. The threat actors could remain hidden for a long time since their targeted machines, which are AD domain controllers, are not rebooted frequently. Um, to avoid such incidents, users of Azure and cloud environments should multi use multi-factor authentication. So that's the key to this one. To beat this one, you have to have multi-factor authentication, somehow using two forms of, of ID, because this just creates a way to bypass that something you know, the password uh, it's a really essentially a password exploit. So if you have something you know plus something you are or something you have, that's going to bypass this. That's going to keep this from working correctly. Um, so that's what, you know, this one probably not going to impact you in your daily life. Um, you de do need to know about this attack vector. So the attack vector they're using is the skeleton key injector. And I've included, again, like I said, in the show notes, there's some more information on Skeleton Key. Kowali, 
is the expert in the room, it sounds like, on what this thing is doing, how it works. It's, it's definitely um, using chunks from Mimikat and, and Dumpert to make this thing work, to bypass the APT monitoring. Um, it's out there, it's running. I, you know, the, the fact that they're uh, ex using the exploit on a chip manufacturer is concerning because obviously um, they could make knockoff chips. They could make chips that um, they can get put into, they being the attacker, um, could make chips that they could put into devices um, that maybe have backdoors, your whole supply chain management, your supply chain security um, view of things. So maybe these chips, once they're knocked off and they're made, they could be added, malware could be added to them and be placed into some other thing, you know, something you're buying. Um, obviously the economics of them, the folks, the folks that are building the chipsets, that are doing the research, that are, are designing these things in Taiwan are obviously going to lose money because of, you know, if, if this thing gets knocked off. So pro protection of intellectual property is a big thing here. For you, for you to take home what you need to know, you know, be, be aware. Use multi-factor authentication. That's your biggest defense against this attack. Um, yeah. Antivirus on the endpoints. Um, that helps, but this the way that this thing is built, uh, using Mimikatz and Dumpert, it looks like it's it's kind of avoiding some of the endpoint protection solutions. So, um, and if you're ready, if, if you're ready, we are going to hit... Um, we're going to hit the, the update, the patch cycle roller coaster, starting with Citrix. Um, so Citrix, uh, who is this from? This is from the Hacker News. Citrix releases patches for multiple security vulnerabilities in the Citrix endpoint management. And this is a product known as Zen Mobile. It's the MDM or the MAM, and not yes, yes ma'am, but a mobile device management, mobile application management capabilities of Citrix servers. Um, according to Citrix, there's a total of five vulnerabilities that affect on-premise instances of Zen Mobile servers used in enterprises to manage all apps and devices and platforms from one central location. So today in modern environments, in modern corporate environments, you got to have MDM and MAM, um, mobile device management. That's where you're managing all of your remote devices, all your handheld devices, all your Android and iOS devices are out there running around that you own. This gives you the ability to control what the end user puts on them, control, you know, what's going on with them, even have, you know, protected containers for corporate or organizational enterprise data to live in. And if that device gets lost, it gives you the ability to nuke the device, to kill, kill it, to wipe it, to, to make it ineffective, whatever, um, you know, Remediations have already been applied to the cloud versions of this. So you, if you're using Citrix, MDM, or MAM in the cloud, uh, they've already patched it. It's already taken care of because they're controlling the patch cycle on that. Um, if you have it locally, if you're ho lo hosting um, Zen Mobile Server 10.12, 10.11, 10.10, 10.9, obviously we go on, um, then get then update, right? So that's, that's the point is up, update this. Update any version prior to 10.9 uh, must be updated to, to, to handle the latest rolling patches. Uh, Citrix is recommending that you update your Zen Mobile to 
uh, RP3, the latest supported version. So uh, to be noted, the company has not yet revealed technical details of the vulnerability, but has already pre-notified several of the major certs around the world and its customers on July 23rd. So Citrix, if, you get, if you're using Citrix for your mobile device management, your mobile application management, obviously at work. I don't think you have MDM at home. Your friends, family, coworkers probably don't have MDM. But at work, you may have Citrix for your MDM. You may have it for your MAM. Um, you know, make sure that you're keeping these things updated. Like, like we're going to talk about anything this morning, any of your devices, keep them updated, keep them patched, keep them, keep them, keep them current, right? That's part of, part of our hygiene, keeping things going. Uh, next on the update train, Adobe eliminates 11 critical bugs in Acrobat Reader. They also took care of some other Acrobat or Adobe products within this rollout, but major, the major function or the major focus, I should say, is on Acrobat Reader. Um, nine of the letter, uh, nine of the letter, hold on a second. Nine of the 11 critical flaws can result in arbitrary code execution. Two are caused by out of bound write conditions. Five are identified as errors. Two uh, use after use after free bugs and uh, Vulnerabilities are a pair of security feature bypass flaws, and they give you the CVE numbers in the article. I'm not going to run through all of them. Looks like they're all from this year, though, CVE 2020s. Um, Adobe also re repaired 15 important bugs. Um, consequences include memory leak, privilege escalation, application denial of service, um, all kinds of stuff. Uh, they also fixed an important privilege escalation bug in Lightroom Classic for Windows. So again, if you got Adobe out there, and I know you do, everybody's got Adobe in their environment. Your friends, your family, your coworkers probably are running Adobe Reader because it's free, and that's how most people read their PDFs, um, unless you're opening them in a web browser. Uh, most people, most people out there just got used to using Adobe, and you're probably using an outdated version. So um, Richard Mellick, the senior technical product manager at Automux, noted last month Adobe announced two out of bounds security updates. Um, Following the official patch Tuesday, uh, he says whether this is due to the increased usage and thus data collection of their products with more folks working remote um, or increased vulnerabilities in research, the uptick in releases shows promise for Adobe's approach to product security. Uh, with patch release every week from Adobe, it also shows that waiting until patch Tuesday to research and deploy updates could be leaving endpoints susceptible to known vulnerabilities. So um, Microsoft, they're not like Microsoft, they're not giving you one rollout a month, they are doing it once a week. Every Tuesday you're getting Adobe patches. People people love Adobe stuff. Um, gives you a lot of functionality, but with all of that functionality comes security risks. So we always have to watch out for that. Watch out for the security risk with the products we're using. Mm. It is, it is, it is bad, bad stuff. Um, I'm going to jump ahead because this came in right before we went live. It's not listed in your show notes, so I'll have to put it in there. But uh, we knew it was coming. 
just didn't get the full article until late, late this morning from ZDNet when they rolled everything up. Um, Microsoft, I'm not going to go through this whole article. I'll give you the highlights. Um, in your Patch Tuesday from Microsoft this week, or this month, I guess it is this week, you're getting 120 vulnerabilities fixed this month. 120. Jeez. Two of them, two of them, dose, two of them, are zero-day vulnerabilities, um, which is kind of a misnomer because now there's a patch form, they're not really zero-day. Um, 17 bugs in this patch, patch cycle are rated critical. Um, that's a lot. That's the highest severity rating they have, which zero-day is, I guess, beyond critical. Um, there's a, a full listing, if you go to the article, there is a full listing of the two zero days, as well as the, the giant list of what is being patched, the CVEs. Um, they're all this year. That's a good thing. We're not seeing any, any 2019s being patched, which is awesome. Um, you definitely don't want to see that happening. That's a long patch cycle if they have, um, have any of those. Uh, Microsoft said it received a report from the antivirus maker Kapersky that hackers had found remote code execution, RCE bug, in the IE scripting engine that was being abused in real-world attacks. Um, so that's been patched. Um, there's, there's a bunch of links in here. Uh, in addition, and that's why I think this this article is a good one, um, it's got the Microsoft a link to the Microsoft, Microsoft Official Security Update Guide. Um, it's got Adobe's updates listed here. It's got SAPs listed here. It's got VMware's updates listed here. Uh, those Citrix ones we just talked about. Oracle's quarterly patches. There's a link there. Chrome's 84 updates are listed here. And Android's uh, security bulletin for August 2020 is listed here. Those are all links you can get to from this one ZDNet article. Ton of stuff. We know this is, this is if you're in patch management, this is your patch nightmare week. Um, this is when all this stuff comes out. 120 in Windows alone. Um, man, we top that onto all these other things. Um, it's it's going to be a busy week. Lots of patches going out this week. Lots of patches. And if you think about this one, just, you know, you got to fix, you got to be on top of those zero days right now. I mean, that's got to be going out. And these criticals have to be this week. Um, you got to get them done this week. So, Friends, family, coworkers, this is the week you start bugging them. Update your system, man. Update your software. Update your OS. You know your family's running Microsoft. You know they're not running Linux. They're not running Mac OS. You know they're out there running that that Walmart laptop that they got for three hundred bucks or whatever. They're running Windows on it. Tell them they got updated. This is bad stuff, right? Critical. Seventeen critical in Microsoft. Two zero days being fixed. You got to do this, plus all of the other stuff. Um, yeah, Matt, Swiss as normal. Uh, Matt, Swiss, Microsoft is is Swiss cheese. But the good thing about this article, and again, it's the ZD article linked to the mic. Well, I'll have to add it because it's the just came out right before press, right before we went live. Um, just a ton, a ton of links to all those other platforms: uh, Adobe, SAP, VMware, Citrix, Oracle, Chrome. Android, all listed here, all your, your one source to go to, uh, unless you're getting a feed from someone, maybe you're getting a feed from the government, the DOD, maybe you're paying for a feed that's telling you 
here's the stuff you need to patch. Um, obviously, your patch cycle is different for every organization. Um, patch, scan, repatch if needed, rescan again. You got to scan before, you got to scan after. You got to know what you what you're fixing and if the fix was applied. Um, I'm, telling, I'm not telling you how to do your business, but patch management cycle and vulnerability management got to go hand in hand. Should be two different groups or two different people at least. Patch management should not be done by the same people that are doing vulnerability management. Not patch management. Uh, the, the scanning, uh, the scanning for patches that 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 people that run the scanning shouldn't be the same people that are patching the vulnerabilities. That's that's what I'm trying to say. It's the third Monday of the week, man. It's hard sometimes to just to talk. But you folks that scan should not be the same people that patch the vulnerabilities because then we have a conflict of interest because the scanning people can just modify the scan results if they're nefarious nefarious that way they can they can modify those results so it looks like they're doing their job maybe their their bonus is tied to it maybe their promotions tied to it maybe their ratings tied to it too easy for them to modify the results to make it look like they're patching stuff and then it causes problems so your your vulnerability scanning folks and your patch management folks they need to be different different teams different groups different different everything. Um, and I know that doesn't happen all the time. That gets gets mixed in with uh, the, the, the day-to-day. Like when they scan, they can just, just tell tell you Firefox. Uh, yeah. Like when they scan and just tell you Firefox. Um, Want to give uh you want to give a little bit of info there. What you talk, uh, Matt, I'm not sure, Matt. Are you talking about the separation of duties there? I'll give you a second to get back to me. I'm gonna take a cup of coffee here. Talking about a little bit of info around. Um, tell you Firefox. I'm not sure what's going on there. Um, Give a little bit of an intro intro there. I think the info. So I think a little bit of info. Sorry, I'm just trying to trying to think what you're asking, Matt. Um, which okay. I, I think you're asking about separation of duties between your vulnerability scanning folks and your patch management folks. I think uh, I could be totally wrong there, but the the folks that scan the network are looking for systems that are missing patches. They're also, their other job is to ensure that patches were applied correctly, right? So that's one function. The other function is the, the folks that are doing vulnerability management. And those are the folks that are applying the patches and making sure the patches stick. So having the same person do both scanning and patching opens the opportunity for a conflict of interest. So if I tell that person, maybe it's a metrics tied to it. Maybe I say, hey, all of the um, all of the the systems that have critical vulnerabilities need to patch in a week. And maybe I know as a vulnerability management person, I can't do that, but I know my bonus is tied to it. I can modify the scan results to make it look like I did. And I think Matt's got back to me now. Um, there we go. So uh, they send... 
they send me Firefox uh, pop to patch. Uh, the scanner gives them an act, uh, them actually what uh, it is that needs to be patched with Firefox, like a DLL, still left over or something. Oh, okay. Yeah, so the, 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 the scanning folks are sending you information about what to patch. Um, Stuff still so, so there's some still some things still left over after the uh, after the patch cycle I think was let's say yeah the other thing we see is when the patches are applied sometimes I I will say they don't stick I know they they don't get correctly implemented I will say they don't stick um, so we scan we patch the patches don't stick that's why we need that second scan to validate that all the patches are in place. I think maybe that's what you're talking about. Um, there's there's pieces left over, maybe, and maybe applying one patch opens another vulnerability. That's why we need the vulnerability scanner to scan. So maybe we patch a piece of software and it opens a new port up, and that port is a vulnerability. So we run the next scan and we see, okay, yeah, that patch has been applied, but now there's a new vulnerability. Oh, they don't give you the information. Ah, so you're not getting all the info from. I could put that up on the screen, uh, but they don't give you. So yeah, so they're saying. Patch all these things, then they come back and say you didn't patch because they didn't give you all the info. <laughs> so Matt, it sounds like you're in the, the the world of patch management of some sort or another either. Um, so you are going to be a busy guy this week. Um, yeah, so patch management and vulnerability management um, and vulnerability scanning are interrelated. They should never be done by the same people because um, it al allows for a conflict of interest. But Applying patches is not as easy as it sounds. You know, it's easy. It sounds easy. Um, click the button. You know, your home user, you click the button, it runs, it reboots, and you're good to go. Not the same in the corporate environment. You know, there's a lot of, you got to test all the patches. We got to test them against our builds because the last thing you want to do is apply a patch that kills a operational function that has to happen. So, and then you have to have a scheduled rollout, and then you have patches that don't stick, or you have people that have removed permissions can be a nightmare. Patch patch week patch management can be a nightmare. Yeah, and if they give you the ID, you can look it up. And that's that becomes, you know, Matt, they give you the ID, you can look it up. So they, let's say they scan your network yesterday, right? Your full Microsoft Office. They scan your network yesterday, all of a sudden you know you haven't applied these these patches from this week yet. So you got a hundred and twenty vulnerabilities on your Microsoft boxes now. Um, if they don't give you that that link like the first one on the list here is a .NET framework, um, ASP.NET and .NET elevation of privilege vulnerability. And it's a CV 2020-1476. If they don't give you the information to go track it down, um, I guess I'm my eyes today, then it's hard to figure out what you're patching, right? They don't give you that. And if you, so you got to go harvest information. You got to figure it out because the second one on the list is a .NET framework vulnerability as well. But this is CVE 2020 10 46. Um, so it's a different one, but its title is .NET Framework Remote Code Execution Vulnerability. So they could, you know, tell you, oh, you've got patches and you got to patch the .NET Framework or, um, you know, the .NET Framework um, has a, a, a vulnerability or something. If you don't get all the information, it makes it hard to patch. So you need to give you all the information that that report needs to have all the information the, the links that are needed to the CVEs or the Microsoft updates or whatever it is, um, especially when you're talking like Matt's talking about all the different things. And I didn't see 
Firefox on this list from ZDNet, but it's a good example is, hey, you gotta, you gotta fix this problem and they don't give you any information um, to, as to what the problem is that needs to be fixed. So you fix, you know, maybe you just run the update um, and the problem isn't fixed by the update. That, that vulnerability that they were looking at still is not fixed because maybe it's an out of band cycle patch or maybe if it's not even a patch, it's a, a setting misconfiguration that they don't tell you. So they scan again and the problem is still there and they're like wondering what the heck is going on. I told you to fix this, but they didn't tell you what to fix. So you gotta go look things up, you gotta do research. And you think about that, if you're doing research in just 120 from Microsoft, the Adobe ones, the maybe you've got, um, maybe you got Chrome, you gotta look at too, Android. You got this list of stuff you gotta look at. It becomes a nightmare and it usually hit, hits this week because it's Patch Tuesday for Microsoft and everybody else clutters around that release. So Matt, if you're in that world or anybody else in that world, if you're in the world of patch management, uh, updates, that kind of stuff, uh, if you're maybe you're managing all of the security program for your organization, I feel for you this week. This week is 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 going to be a rough one. Uh, we'll be obviously at Cyber Recon World Headquarters here in Virginia. We'll be patching our systems. We have far less than most organizations because we don't get a dozen or so computers to worry about, but not thousands. Um, so that's what's going on with Microsoft. I guess we can get, I don't know if we ever threw that up there. Um, our last story is from Black Hat. Um, it's called Ether Oops. Um, this is our last story, Cyware. Cyware, you get two stories every day, it seems like. Um, a new attack method dubbed as Ether Oops has been devised that would allow attackers to exploit faulty Ethernet cables to bypass corporate firewalls. And I guess the point here is have good Ethernet cables. So the way this works is they put in this exploit, they put a, an IP packet inside of another IP packet. And the outside, the containing IP packet is benign. So you really have, uh, it's like one of those Russian dolls with a thing inside of another, you know, open the doll and there's another doll inside of the doll. Um, like babushka dolls, I think. Um, so this is what the, the outside doll is good to go. There's no problems. It's benign. It doesn't cause any problems. It's probably going to go right through your network because it's not, you know, it's not malicious. But they're saying that if your network cables are faulty and the fault can occur when a damaged cable suffers for, from electrical interference and that electrical interference will actually cause that outside packet to be destroyed and and expose the inside malicious packet. Um, this is a, a, a kind of a stretch here to make this thing happen, of course. Um, attackers could use EtherOps attack to infiltrate target networks directly from the internet or even from a DMZ segment and move laterally across segments uh, of the internal networks, right? Um, you know, if you're wireless, this isn't a case it's, a, it's an issue with wired Ethernet cables. If they're frayed, if there's electrical interference, that outside packet can be destroyed and the inside packet would get through. Um, obviously, this proof of concept's been, been proven out at Black Hat. Making it work, I think, would be hard. Um, I would say, you know, Alex's question always, what do we think of the, the chance of this happening? I think that the... the, the 
the probability of this happening on your network is probably fairly low. Because um, it's a lot to do. You gotta, first of all, you have to create the packet inside of a packet. And then you have to launch it on a network where you assume there's bad cables. Um, in my experience, and this, does, this isn't 100%, one of the things most organizations do very well is, is cabling. Um, I used to call them wire dogs when I was in the army, but the folks that run cabling, most places I've been, have always been really good at their job. They run cables very well, and they terminate cables very well. I guess the thing is, if you're not watching, if you're not maintaining the cable after they run, maybe they could get frayed. Maybe they could the, this 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 could happen. Um, so, conclusion from Cyware Social: All the wireless networks have several known attack methods and preventive steps. The Ethernet-based wired networks are lacking both sufficient awareness and ample security methods. Uh, to ensure the security of wired networks, organizations must follow security guidelines. They provide a link in the story, um, such as sorting, analyzing, monitoring the logs of network sockets and equipment, assigning separate subnets for different departments, uh, minimizing exposure of network devices, cables, ports, and other critical infrastructure. I am 100% on board with all of that. Um, keep your network cables secured. Keep them locked up. Don't have them. I've seen them in weird, like, you know, in, in closets that aren't closed or network gear in the same room that is, is like where people wash equipment or something like that. Um, Yeah, it sounds crazy. I wonder how they how they found it out. There's researchers out there trying different things. I, I don't I I don't know, Matt. That's <laughs> weird. How you let's try a, a frayed electric uh, or a, a frayed network cable and see what happens there. And let's see. Let's put a packet inside of a packet and then um, the story itself. Uh, I personally, this is my view of things. I think the risk of this happening, uh, the probability that it will be launched is low. The probability that you have this vulnerability, this network cable vulnerability in your organization is probably pretty low. You'd have to figure that out yourself. Um, but the bigger the bigger part about this, secure your network rooms. Make sure they're, they're, they're secured and climate controlled. Um, have some type of monitoring on your network that's, that's looking at the ports, really looking at, you know, an IDS, IPS solution, and then have logs that monitor your equipment. Uh, obviously, Divide your network into subnets. That's what we're doing here, even at at our our small enterprise here, is we're going to have different subnets within the the environment. Um, that's that's what you have. You shouldn't have like your finance folks and your research and development folks and your general population all on the same big flat network. They should be subnetted out. Um, separation of, of segmentation of the of the network is important. Um, all the thousand dollars that have gone into cable testing equipment, yeah, yeah. To test your, yeah, te that's a good point, Matt. Just test your equipment every once in a while. Test your, test your connectivity. You can put the the tone generator on one side and and your your reader on the other side. And make sure that all your connections are good and solid. Make sure you're getting eight out of eight. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, just a, a good test set is a couple hundred bucks. And you think in an organization, there's there's automated devices that can do this there's the manual way you put the you know you, you put the terminator on one end and you run your connector your cable tester on the other end 
see if they're still good. Um, yeah. It, it's crazy how it can go, and I don't know where this little one little fly is coming from. So that's that. It runs us up to uh, the holiday of the day. Here's your weird holiday. It's World, World Elephant Day. A couple links in the show notes um, talking about this. This World Elephant Day was uh, conceived in 2011 um, by a couple filmmakers. They, tie, they tied together with the Ele uh, Elephant Reintroduction Foundation, REF, in Thailand, and they made it an actual um, holiday, world holiday, in 2012. Uh, just to bring in awareness to the plight of elephants, the link's got a bunch of a bunch of facts about ele elephants. At your elephant trivia of a day of the day, you know, a tr elephant weighs thirteen thousand pounds and they eat for sixteen hours a day. Um, crazy. Elephants do indeed like peanuts, but they don't like bees. Um, they say to keep elephants away from their crops and stuff. The folks put beehive or beehives up to keep um keep keep them away keep the elephants away who knew bee kept bees kept the elephants away um yeah and a baby elephant is 260 pounds at birth crazy facts you can use all day long in your your talks with other people um that uh, that's that's your holiday for today and one thing we got left to talk about you know if you ha we haven't talked about it enough um is our trivia day? Where's what happened to uh, kill trivia day? What the hell heck happened? Excuse me. What the heck happened? Let's uh, we can do that one. We can do it manually. You don't need a dang button for it. So tomorrow, um, tomorrow is tomorrow's trivia day. I know, I know, fake people in the computer. It, it's crazy that tomorrow's trivia day. 7 o'clock tomorrow night, Trivia Day. We are ready to roll. Uh, we've got the questions laid out. This is the first week you're going to have to do fill in the blank. Get those typing fingers ready. Um, Socrative is a tool we'll use. Um, live 7 p.m. East Coast time tomorrow night. Uh, join us for fun. Bring your beverage of choice. Uh, see how your security chops Line up with everyone else. How good can you do against everyone else? That's the question. So, trivia tomorrow. Um, we got some. We got some. It may be the week that Mike Bravo's long-running record. I think he had three in a row. This could be the night that that gets gets at least tied. Um, so we'll see. Mike Bravo, you're on the line, man. Hopefully you're going to be there. Defend your title. Defend your long-running title. Um, I think Ralph Ralph had it last week. Um, it's fun. Be there or be square, man. Or be there and be square. I don't know. Maybe trivia. Cyber trivia, you have to be square. I'm okay with that. But I guess point of the day, point in the show where we say it's about time to, to sign off, let you guys hit the bricks, get ready for your day. As always, Take care of your friends, your family, your coworkers. Um, you know, Dyson, broom, broom. Who tomorrow night? It could be the sweep, right? The sweep could be coming. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully, hopefully, Mike uh, is there to defend that long streak title. Um, could be an upset. Could be an upset this week. We'll see. Uh, 
Be good today. Take care of your friends, your family, coworker, your organization that you're out there supporting. Know we're here. Uh, the group that's on on here every morning. We're here to share the cyber love to to get you tuned up, ready to go, fight the cyber battle of the day, give you the news of the day, give you something to talk about around the water cooler in case you don't have anything to talk about today. You can talk about International World Elephant Day and that they're 260 pounds when they're born. Um, And by the way, when I'm telling you about elephants, let me tell you about patching your Microsoft system. Um, Bunch of bad exploits out today. That's how your conversation could go. You could be that, that guy at the water cooler. I don't know if you even have a water cooler and you're probably not at work you're probably at home but anyways uh i'm jim with cyber recon you guys be good today uh take care of each other and we'll see you tomorrow morning